ladies, and welcome to the Amazing Bible Book Club. I am Julie Callio, your host, and thank you so very much for taking time out of your busy schedules to tune in with me today. If by chance you want to contact me, you can do that at theab.bc.pc at gmail.com. Today we are looking at the Apostle Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus. Now, some of the ancient manuscripts do not have the word Ephesus in them, so this leads us to believe that it was a letter that was copied and sent to other churches in the area. Ephesus was a city on the western edge of modern-day Turkey, and it was an important port city of the Aegean Sea. The Apostle Paul first went to Ephesus on his second missionary journey, Acts chapter 18, verses 18 through 21. On his third missionary journey, he stayed there for three years, Acts chapter 19, verses 1 through 41. Idol makers caused a riot and Paul had to leave, Acts chapter 20, verse 1. On Paul's way to Jerusalem, as he was ending his third missionary journey, he stopped off at Miletus and sent word for the elders of Ephesus to come and meet with him one last time. Acts chapter 20, verses 16 through 38. This book is specifically labeled a prison epistle, along with Ephesians, Colossians, and Philemon. They were probably delivered at the same time by the same messenger, Tychicus. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 21 and 22, Colossians chapter 4, verse 7 and 9, and Philemon verses 10 through 12 and then 23 and 24 give us clues to that. They are called prison epistles as well as Philippians because if you remember, after Paul went to Jerusalem, he was arrested because of the Jews. He was put on trial and then because Paul was a Roman citizen, he appealed to Caesar. So he was sent to Rome. This story begins in Acts 21 and ends in Acts 28 with, and he stayed two full years, this was under house arrest, in his own rented quarters and was welcoming all who came to him, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching concerning the Lord Jesus Christ with all openness, unhindered. I still remember one commentary of Acts read, the gospel was unhindered, while the preacher was in chains. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 1, Paul said, Therefore I, the prisoner of the Lord. And in Philippians chapter 1 verses 19 and 20, and in Philemon verses 22 and 23, Paul expects to be released soon. And in Colossians chapter 4 verse 18, Paul asked the church to remember my imprisonment. As for the date, we know that Rome burned in 64 AD and historians are pretty sure he was released from Rome before then. So the possible date is AD 60 to 62. This letter is set up like Paul's other letters. The first half, chapters 1 through 3, show us who we are in Christ and he covers various theological points. And then the last half tells us what we are to do in Christ the ethics of a believer. The key phrase of the book is in Christ. This letter was sent to strengthen and encourage the Ephesians and believers everywhere to stay faithful to the Lord. 
Now, with that said, let's do a quick overview of the letter. One thing I want you to notice in chapter one is how many times Paul said him or his or in Christ or in him. In his introduction, Paul has no need to defend himself because this letter goes to his friends. He has his typical introduction using grace and peace. And then in verses three through six, Paul focused on God the Father's role who blessed us, chose us, predestined us, and has made us accepted in the beloved. Then verses 7 through 12 focus on the Son's role. In Him, the Son of God, Jesus Christ, we have redemption, forgiveness of sins, wisdom and knowledge, and an inheritance. In verses 13 and 14, we see the Holy Spirit's role, who sealed us and guarantees our inheritance. Starting with verses 15 through 23, Paul writes a prayer for the church. He prayed that they would grow in their knowledge of Jesus and that they might be enlightened to know the hope of his calling. The end of chapter 1 reads, And he, meaning God the Father, put all things in subjection under his feet and gave him his head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Believers in Christ are the body of Christ. Chapter 2 of Ephesians has been said to be a shorter epistle of the Romans. Paul explained we are dead in our sin. Then verses 4 and 5 say, But God being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together in Christ. By grace you have been saved. The word grace is mentioned 12 times in this little letter. Matthew Henry wrote, Grace unlocks and opens all and enlarges the soul. Ladies, please don't forget that God the Father loves you and it is a great love. That is why he sent his son Jesus who died and God raised him up and he is seated in the heavenly places. And when we believe, we too are raised and seated with him. Then we have these wonderful words, verses 8 through 10. For by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God not as a result of work, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. The word of creation can be translated masterpiece or poem. David George said, The life of his people is God's work of art. Paul then reminded these Gentile believers that they were like the world, but now they are part of the body of Christ. They are no longer foreigners or strangers, but fellow citizens and members of God's household. Then the church is described as the building with Christ as the cornerstone. We are a holy sanctuary which the Spirit of God dwells. Chapter 3, verse 1. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles. The Jews could not accept the fact that Gentiles could become believers just through faith. The controversy was still going on as to how much the Gentiles needed to keep the law in order to become, quote, good Christians. 
A.S. Wood said of Paul, he refused to regard himself as a victim either of the Jews or of the Roman emperor Nero. He is the prisoner of Christ Jesus. Paul then dives into the mystery of God. Ladies, one hope I have for us is that as we are reading through the Bible in a year, that we can grasp a bit of the marvel of this mystery of the Messiah. He then goes into another wonderful prayer that I encourage you to memorize or at least write it out. Paul prayed that the Lord would grant us to be strengthened. The Messiah would dwell in our hearts with faith, that we are rooted and firmly established in love that we may be able to comprehend with all the saints. And then my New American Standard Bible explained it this way, that we may be able to comprehend what is the breadth of our experience and it reaches out to the whole world. What is the width, the length of our lives and beyond to other generations? What is the height, heights of our celebration and elation? And what is the depths, depths of despair and even death. And to know, to know what? To know the Messiah's love that surpasses knowledge. I wonder if that means that it goes beyond knowledge to also our feelings. Why does Paul pray that? So that we may be filled with all the fullness of God. Oh, ladies, do you know and do you feel how much God loves you? Verses 20 and 21, Paul breaks out into doxology or praise to God. Now to him who is able to do above and beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in you, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. This ends the first half of Ephesians, who we are in Christ. Paul starts chapter 4 with, therefore, because of who we are in Christ, therefore, I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. This is a life of service and servanthood to the Lord. Then verses 4 through 6 are defined as the key verses of the letter. There is only one body and one spirit, just as also you were called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. Dr. David Dockery once said, What is the difference between unity and uniformity? This question then leads into the next few verses, 7 through 16. We are one, but we each have different gifts. We are not all alike. John Calvin said this verse may be thus summed up. On no one has God bestowed all things, but each has received a certain measure so that we need one another. And by bringing together what is given to them individually, They help one another. I want to point out verse 12 to you. Paul listed some leadership positions in the church. And then he said that they were for the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ. 
the leaders train the saints for the work of ministry. Ministry is not just for someone who is ordained or for someone who is an official minister. Every believer in Christ has a ministry. What is yours? Then Paul said that when we are grounded in truth, then we will not be tossed by the wind in this world. One other verse I want to point out is that as Christians, we are to speak the truth in love. Verse 15, David C. George said, Speaking the truth also means doing the truth. There is no word for speaking in this text. Christ is the truth and God's people must be loyal to the truth in all that they say and do. This must be done with love. Christians should not live like non-Christians. Verses 26 and 27 talk about anger. It said, be angry and do not sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger and don't give the devil an opportunity. It does not say, do not be angry. It says, in your anger, do not sin. That is a huge difference. Our anger can be an open door for the devil to come into our lives and wreak havoc. I so wish I could camp here for a bit, but I just can't. But ladies, one resource I used to work through my anger was called the Anger Workbook by Dr. Les Carter and Dr. Frank Minrith. I will say that one of the keys of working through anger is to live in truth about yourself, your circumstances, your family, your job, and your God. And when we know the truth that God loves us, we are able to face the truth about ourselves and others. Paul continued that Christians should be honest with their work, have clean mouths, and be gracious to others. Verse 30, we are not to grieve the Holy Spirit. And how do we do that? Through lies, bitterness, anger, wrath, insult, slander, and wickedness. We are to be kind, compassionate, and forgiving. And why? Because we have been shown kindness, compassion, and forgiveness by God. Then chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for you, an offering and sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. Verse 8b, walk as children of light. Verse 10, trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. We put away evil things. And then verse 16, making the most of your time because the days are evil. Verse 19, Speak to one another in Psalms, Old Testament songs, and hymns, songs directed to God like How Great Thou Art, and spiritual songs, Christian songs which we sing to one another like we have come into his house. We are to be people of thanksgiving and of submission one to another, verse 20. Then verses 22 and through 33, Paul speaks of the mystery of marriage and how it represents the marriage of the lamb. Jesus is the groom and the bride is the church. Time does not permit me to go into detail here, 
But I do want to point out that women are not called to submit to all men. When a woman gets married, she chooses to submit to her husband. It does not say that husbands are to make their wives submit. Plus, there is more written about how the husband is to love the wife than there is about how a wife is to submit to her husband. One other thing to note is that in verses 31 and 32, Paul quotes from Genesis chapter 2 verse 24 about how the husband is to leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and the two become one flesh, one flesh. Then Paul expounds that this mystery is profound because he's talking about Christ and the church. Jesus was the son who left his father so he could be united to his wife, us, believers in Christ. Wow. Then chapter 6 continues with relationships. Children, obey your parents. And fathers, don't stir up your children to anger. But instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. I heard a phrase once, rules without relationship results in rebellion. Then Paul talks about the relationships with slaves and masters. But as Christians, we are to work as unto the Lord, not unto people. Masters are to remember that they also have a master in heaven that they will answer to. Then Paul says the way we can walk in the spirit is to put on the full armor of God so that we can resist the evil one and stand. We can stand in the belt of truth, breastplate of righteousness, shot our feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, put on the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, and then it is said we have two offensive pieces of armor, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and prayer. Paul asked for prayer because he is an ambassador in chains. Then Paul said his closing words and explained how he was sending Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord. Verses 23 and 24, Peace be to the brethren and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all those who love our Lord Jesus with incorruptible love. So ladies, let me ask you, do you know how deeply loved you are? Do you know what pleases the Lord? Are there some relationships that you need to work on? Are you living in truth? Are there some behaviors that you need to change? Are you wearing the armor of God? Do you know who you are in Christ? Do you love the Lord? Are you in awe of the mystery of God? Today, if you heard his voice, Please don't harden your heart. Instead, let's be women who pray and obey. Until next time, and thank you so much for listening.